Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because yep, we're We're going going there. The big debate today. Do oh. you like AMSR? No, hello. AMSR? Hey, no, AS. hello. <laughs> hello. Hi. Hello. We're here debating M- AMSR. We no, don't know. No, 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 no. ASMR. ASMR. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. Officially, we, we didn't know what it stood for. It stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response is a tingling sensation that usually begins on the scalp and moves down the back of the neck and upper spine. Yeah. So, it, like, those videos are supposed to give you that sensation. They okay, do. well, to bring you all up to speed, we are here talking about ASMR, which stands for <laughs> Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Response. Anyways, we're also here talking about Fruit of the Spirit with our friend Morgan, but we got on the conversation of, do you like ASMR? Morgan said she does. It helps her fall asleep. And it really is interesting how our brains can respond to different things like that, because backstory i usually try to be annoying as we're sound checking and like make weird no don't do that people get <laughs> what is that thing people have i don't misophone, know but i know what you're talking about misophone, where they get angry yeah, where they get like something goes weird in their brain when they hear like eating noises mm-hmm. we have to know though throughout this series we have probably sang on like four episodes though, and i feel so bad for people's ears so yeah. if you're already hanging with us you can probably handle me like making a few little chewing sounds in the microphone That's true. because you've listened to our singing That's voices. True. Chewing noises are different than bad singing though. Mm. True, true. Okay, well, welcome Morgan. Thank you. Guys, we have one of our good friends, Morgan Mueller, on today to talk about self-control. I can't believe we are already wrapping up our Fruit of the Spirit series and it's been really fun and we hope that you've enjoyed. Yeah, Morgan and I go way back. She's a dear friend. I think I was telling someone, I think I've told you this in the past, but I was explaining to someone that like, you're a friend of mine that, you know, when you just like have those people, you just like know they'll be there and not in a way that you, you know, forget about them in your day to day or whatever. But it's just like when life gets really hard, I know you'll just be there as a pillar. You and your husband are like that for Justin and I. And so I just love you a lot and I'm thankful for you. And I can't believe, I think I've said for a long time, we need to have Morgan on and you and Christian and Morgan are also good friends. And so this has been a long time coming. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I think on the podcast, I talked about Mike and Dari Cranford. I've Mm -hmm. talked about them before. And so this is Mike and Dari's daughter. That is how Mm -hmm. I met Morgan. Hilarious. (laughs) Yes. Hilarious fact is that Dari was super overwhelmed wedding planning when I met Dari and Mike for Michael and Morgan's wedding. And she was like, oh my gosh, please help me, Christian. And I was like, okay. And the first time I met Morgan, Morgan and Dari got in a fight. Wait, I don't. I didn't we know that. Did. What an argument sh- about their <laughs> sparkle wedding? Sparkle magic. Sparkle magic. <laughs> sparkle magic. It's this thing, and hopefully, no one that's listening has this on their house because they might. But it's what? the you know the like projection like projected lights little lights on like the garage door. Yes. That, like there's like different colors and oh my gosh like they it's a newer thing in the last few years like people do them around christmas yes like where they'll yeah, be like, like, so like instead of yeah. christmas lights they'll put this on their house well okay. dari had this idea michael and morgan got married in this like cove in this tree line <laughs> essentially yeah and so we were going to do worship later in the night and she was like christian which by the I'm way i've surprise. never been to another wedding that did that that was still really cool oh, it was amazing. yeah that was my favorite she part. Was like, christian i'm gonna surprise michael and morgan and my <laughs> friend got this thing called sparkle magic and she shows me me and the idea is great if you do this in your home love it no the idea was fine (laughs) and i know dari that well honestly still had no clue about morgan and morgan is like 
appalled. Oh my gosh, appalled. <laughs> and I'm looking at Dari. I don't think it's a good idea. I'm looking at Dari. I'm looking at Morgan trying to feel out like, do you tell your mom that you don't like things or do we just go with it? Or like we're confused. So her and I are just staring at each other on the couch, like trying to figure out like, how do we not burst? So it came out. She was like, I have this surprise for you. But like, I actually want to tell you I'm so excited. And like Morgan hated it. So mm-hmm. it was the most awkward scenario Well, because you were both at my wedding. And so it was all like very natural yes. forest kind of minimal if you know morgan it like fits you so well so she wanted to project these back in the trees like sparkle light I actually all over the forest i feel like that could have been cool i'll tell mom you said that yeah sure. it been cool. i'm pretty sure though the color she wanted was like not white it was like green. she wanted green and we were like no this yeah. is gonna be bad okay. so i think we did come down we came down to something we did like string lights or something yeah, but anyways string lights and guys you didn't torches. care about all that but that's how i originally met morgan <laughs> and so then i'm at my husband and i are at their wedding helping like plan mm-hmm. at yeah. this time we I don't bar- even know I you think, that well i remember i barely knew you yeah that's crazy like we don't even know each other that well but we obviously got to know each other through wedding planning and then my husband and I, we joke now because you guys are like some of our best friends. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I were at your wedding, but not, but not like in as guests. You were invited well, you and I was. Well, you're not even guests. You're no, right. we're not even guests. And now, we're like, just there. Yeah. And, and now, now Andrew and Michael yeah, are besties. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's very sweet. Yeah, I barely knew funny. you and our mutual friend Cece like helped assist you at oh that gosh, wedding. Do you remember? Right. Were you I even forgot. like doing weddings yet? First officially? one. Nope. That's so funny. Yeah, that was like my first like unofficial, not official wedding. Also, if you're wedding planning, we're just giving like this episode's going to be a wealth of knowledge. If you're wedding planning, I'll explain what you can also jump in because it was your wedding. But we like had the ceremony in these trees and then like ate dinner. Am I remembering this correct? I mean, this has been what, like seven years ago now? Actually, six years. Six years. Saturday. Okay. Well, six years. So six years ago. And then there was like dancing. And then there was like everyone kind of walked back down into the woods like where the trees kind of cover but then it was like an opening maybe and then there was like a worship for someone doing like acoustic yeah worship on a stump yeah it was middle. one of my best friends from college yeah. Sutton, and he did like the music during our wedding and then he led worship after yeah and it was i'm awesome. getting chills everyone just like stood around and like did worship out in it the middle so of the neat. forest it was my it very was favorite part. it was so cool i loved it it's not it could sound weird i think like saying it right <laughs> now but you had to be there you cool. had to be there <laughs> that sounded a little bit like a cult or something yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. it wasn't like that guys no chanting no, no yeah. guitar and yeah it was good but was okay fun. morgan will you we've kind of already shared a lot of your <laughs> life in weird ways but can you explain who you are your family what you do yeah all the good things yeah so i'm morgan married to michael been married six years, mm-hmm. as you know, on the eighth. And we have two kids. We have a four year old named Emmett and a one and a half year old named Charlotte. And I'm a stay at home mom. And earlier this year, I started a small bread baking business. That's I was blown gonna, up. I was going to be like, you partially stay home, but you also have a side hustle. I Your bake bread at business. home, stay yeah. at home and bake at home. Yeah. There you go. So I bake sourdough bread, barn house bread. Follow and... on Instagram. We'll link it for you. <laughs> it's delicious. So crunchy on the outside and soft in the middle. Mm, that's what you might Great air bubbles. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. So that's kind of my husband works for a consulting firm here in town called Aperio. And yeah. That's you. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. Well, we are excited to jump in and we're talking today about self-control, which 
It's so funny. Every time we have brought up a new fruit of the spirit, it's really easy to think, okay, this is probably the hardest for me. Or I actually at the end need to go back and reflect which one has been more prominent in my life as being a struggle lately. And what's funny is we continue to harp on this and we'll say it on each episode is I think maybe that's the point too, that as we're breaking down these fruit of the spirit, we're recognizing that all of these individual fruit that we're talking through all connect as one fruit of the spirit concept as we're abiding in Christ. And so as I think through like, oh, well, this one feels really hard for me too. I am like, I think that's the point. They all are equal in a way of like, maybe some can feel harder in seasons than other, but in general, it's that I need to grow in my closeness and connection to the Lord. And that's how these things continue to flourish. So self-control feels like a big one, but we've said that about all of them. It feels like a really big big one. And honestly, like Samantha said, we've wanted Morgan to come on the podcast for a while now. Didn't know exactly in like what sphere because she's a very wise woman, spends a lot of time in God's word. And it's like super impressive in that way. But one of the things when we were going through through the spirit, we're like, oh, what can Morgan talk about self-control? Because to be honest samantha and i are kind of big personalities and i mean not a lot of self-restraint yes and so we were like what is and we were kind of going through at each one and thinking like who exudes self-control like who is someone who when we think self-control really like does that well and we're not saying that she's perfect but morgan is pretty good at this and she if you know her at all her life is very sweet very kind very like quiet and gracious is like the adjectives i would use to describe you and so i'm really excited to hear from you just in self-control not pumping you up that you have to be perfect to this but i wanted you to talk about it because i think you're really good at that so like in all of these fruit of the spirit that we've been discussing we've kind of been liking to break down what is the worldly definition of this characteristic or this whatever it is trait and then what does the bible say about it some i've found kind of have really different definitions a few maybe are more closely tied but what would you say morgan is the biblical definition of self-control Yeah, so I looked it up in Strong's Dictionary to find like the Greek root of the word, and I don't totally know how to pronounce it, but it's in gratis or something to that effect. And the way that it's defined is as strong, robust, having power over, possession of a thing, mastering, controlling, curbing, restraining, or controlling oneself. So I think that third chunk, that mastering, controlling, curbing, and restraining is actually pretty similar to the world's definition of self-control, just like having possession over yourself. And it's interesting because, and we can talk more about this later on, but it's like this self-control, even the name, there's like almost this irony in it because it's like we know that we can't really have self-control without relying on God. And so it's just funny that it's called that. And yes, we have to put action into that, but there's also this reliance piece that comes in. Mm -hmm. And I actually love that definition too. The part of restraint is because like, I think in this as like Paul's defining and walking through all these fruit is that part of it is like, God knows us. He like made us. So he knows we're going to fall. He knows we're going to be like tempted in those ways. And so it's like, no, you will have this temptation. And so having self-control looks like an action of restraint, like an action of you're going to have to like pull back from something that you are tempted to desire. And so I think that's really true. And just like we as humans will fall in that way. Yeah. Some of the verses that I found like through cross-referencing, even if they don't specifically use the word, I feel like it's just a really good picture of what biblical self-control looks like. So one of the first ones I found was 1 Thessalonians 5.21, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good. And that just seemed like, especially 
like I've talked with the two of you before a lot about like social media and what we consume like through television and through music and all of those things. And I feel like holding fast to that, which is good, is such a good picture of like looking at everything that you're taking in and saying like, is this beneficial for me as a believer? Like, does this stir my affection for Jesus? Could this be a distraction? Does it stir my affection for worldly things? You know, like, does this encourage the growth that I want to see in my walk with Jesus? And if not, am I willing to to remove it from my life? One of our pastors did a sermon maybe about a month ago now, but it was in our, I think it was in our Daniel series that we're doing. You guys might know if I'm wrong, but he talked about, okay, they gave an example of their exec staff meetings that they've been having, you know, since COVID, they had to change how they did them. They used to meet in a smaller room. And during COVID, they had to go into like a large classroom and they had like five or six round tables that they all like spread out at. And it was last month or something that they walked into that meeting and it dawned on someone like, oh, we don't have to still be doing this. We were all just like brushing shoulders walking over here and then we're spreading out on these large tables. And it's so interesting. Sometimes I'll have those moments in life where I'm like, it can be something really small with just like the habits of how I'm going about my day or even how I'm like getting readier. It's like, oh yeah, I don't have to be doing this anymore. This served a purpose in my life at some point, this habit or this discipline. But now what is the reason behind this? And if it's not serving that same purpose, like let's change it up. Maybe there's something different that would serve me better in that. Yeah, that's good. I have a couple other verses that stood out kind of along the same thinking. Philippians 4, 8, whatever, or finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And I think that's just a great mental checklist, again, with like weeding out things in your life that would get in the way of your growth of, you know, walking with Jesus and really seeking to, I find with my mind a lot, like even the verse, take every thought captive. That's like a huge area that I feel like I can struggle with sometimes where I just daydream and I just dwell on whatever I'm taking in. So if I'm listening to a true crime podcast, that's usually what I'm thinking about, you know, but if I if I take the time to like there's the dwell app where you can like listen to scripture just being read out loud and I just find whatever I fill my mind with, that's usually what I'm feeding my mind. That's like what comes to mind randomly throughout the day and so being again self-controlled with like what am I allowing in and is this beneficial, not to be redundant, but to my walk with Jesus. And I love that too, because even in that list, you're talking about a lot of us have addictive personalities and things, you know, we love like clinging to one extreme. And in that list, you're listing out all of these things that are really extreme and having a lot of self-control in a lot of different areas. And so what does it really look like to actually like really rid ourselves of going to these like really worldly extremes, but actually say like, no, I'm going to restrain myself because like my God is a God who looks to self-control as like an act of righteousness and an act of obedience to his word. As we were prepping for this episode, I'm thinking about how self-control in my mind really is equated with discipline, whether that's good or bad, we can kind of dig into that. But I think the thought of being disciplined, like we think of Jesus, he did this so perfectly of just being like present and go with the flow and like 
open to opportunities to kind of like drift wherever he needed to go. But he also was so disciplined. We see that in his prayer life. We see that in the time that he like would be really specific in his day of like getting time alone away from his friends, the disciples. We see that in the way that he like knew scripture from the Old Testament. Like he was really disciplined. Morgan and I are in a Bible study. Even this morning, this mm-hmm. just, I just I thought just of this. About that. Yeah. He was raised a Jewish boy. And so he would have been following all of these very rigid, to us rigid, prayer rituals that they would do. Like you can explain a little bit more of that because I think it's cool. But I don't know. He was like this perfect epitome of like discipline and self-control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just started like studying this a little bit more. So I don't know much yet. But in the Jewish culture, I'm just amazed at how they had all of these daily prayers for like every single part of their day. And one of the first things they did when they woke up in the morning before they even got out of bed was they would say this prayer. And I'm going to butcher it, but it's something to the effect of like, I praise you, Lord, because you have mercifully restored my soul to me. I think they believed that your soul left your body briefly while you slept is like one of the things I read. I don't know if that's totally true. I think that's the thought behind that. And then they say like, great is your faithfulness. And then they start their day, they get out of bed. And so before their feet even touch the ground, that's like the first thing. And they do that all throughout the day. They have a prayer for when they drink wine, they have a prayer for if they eat something that's like made out of grain, they have a prayer for washing their hands. I mean, for like every part of their life. And I think that's just such a cool picture. And yeah, thinking this morning we were talking about how like that is Jesus grew up Jewish. Like he would practice all those things. What I love about these fruit of the spirit, those we talked about, they're not individual fruit. They are all together like fruit of the spirit. These are aspects of what your life will exude when you are abiding and remaining and spending time with Jesus. And so what I think is so interesting is like, I want to hear your thoughts, Morgan, of the purpose of why do you think Paul has written or like listed self-control last in this list? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think self-control is, I don't think you can really display a lot of the other fruit of the Spirit without having self-control. Some of them are more obvious, like patience and faithfulness. And then I think, Samantha, like you were saying, the fruit of the Spirit comes from walking with and having a relationship with Jesus. And I think self-control is how we especially in today's world, like make that happen, like spend time with him daily. That has to be something that comes, like you have to have self-control in order to spend time with him. And so I think you can't have the other fruit of the spirit if you don't have the self-control to spend time with Jesus. I mean, honestly, you're so good at just like, yeah, speaking the truth and like saying the answers. I'm like, yeah, that's the point. Like, that's what you have to do. And We've been talking a lot about how these fruits are more passive, that we can't just will these things in our life. And I think what we were talking about earlier with the discipline is like, that's where the active part comes in is like, you can practice discipline. So I was, again, prepping and thinking through, well, it's funny that it's called self-control because I think that without God, you can live a very disciplined life. Like you can will yourself to be more disciplined. You can put practices in your life. A non-believer can very much be like a very rigid, disciplined person, self-controlled even. But I really think when you dig deep into self-control and talk about like going back to that definition from the Greek root word that you said, like that restraint, that just control over oneself. It's like, I truly don't think that can be fully done without being connected to God and through God. And so it's funny to me that it's like self-control, but it really creates or really is only through this deep reliance on God and the Holy Spirit to let you have self-control like that. It's like the discipline part. Yeah, you can muster that up all the time. But I think about times in my life where I want to 
start a new habit or put a new discipline in my life, a lot of times those things fall to the wayside after a few weeks or maybe if I get a couple of months into it. And it's really that self-control that keeps certain habits like a lasting practice in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Christian and I were talking the other day at Hebrews Bible study after that. And we were talking about just what we feel like God's teaching us lately. And one of the things that came up was just how I feel like self-control can look different in everyone's life and in every season of life. I think like obviously the things that you're involved in, what your day looks like, like the relationships you have, those all look different. But I think one of the things that I'm learning, you can almost boil it down to as a believer, self-control could look like weeding out anything in your life that's preventing you from walking with Jesus more closely and pursuing the things that allow you to walk more closely with him. So just consistently pursuing in small ways and big ways, like some of the thoughts that I've had about self-control, like we talked about making your bed in the morning and like how for some people that might not be relevant. And for some people that might be like an important start to your day and how having discipline in small ways can like really make a difference throughout your day. Well, yeah, I want to hear more from you because you had a lot more to say. What are some of those things that in your life, like what is God currently teaching you about? What are you weeding out? Where are you finding that control and self-control and the disciplines in that? Well, the three of us have talked a lot over the past few years about social media. That's like something that I feel like, when was that? Like 2019, I think is when I deleted Instagram, like my personal Instagram. And I deleted Facebook and Twitter, like any form of social media. And I... It's really hard to remember your birthday. Like that's how I I know. I just (laughs) am like AWOL. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, it is hard to... And I have to like write birthdays down now in my planner. And I still miss them sometimes because, yeah, Facebook made that easy. But (laughs) yeah, so I deleted it in 2019. So when I started Barnhouse Bread, I made like an Instagram account for that. And it just got busy very quickly, which was a huge blessing. But I was like, guy, really don't enjoy having social media. When I first deleted it in 2019, I was shocked at like the first two weeks, how often I pulled out my phone and my thumb went to click on the Instagram app that was no longer there. And just how truly like the word would be addicted, like I was addicted. And I remember like, and it was probably one or two. And every time he would learn something new or do something cute, I was tempted to post about it because that's just like, that was the norm for me. And so it took a lot of time before that wasn't my first reaction anymore. And I think the illustration I've used before is like a food allergy. So my brother-in-law is allergic to peanuts, like deathly allergic. And how life-changing it was for him when he was diagnosed with a peanut allergy. He like completely cut peanuts out of his diet, obviously, but it wouldn't make any sense for him to go around telling everyone else, like, you've got to cut peanuts out of your diet because like, this is how it's changed my life. I think social media was the same thing for me. It was a huge, huge thing for me to get rid of it. I don't think everyone needs to, but for me, I saw a ton of benefit from removing that from my life. So all that to say, when Barnhouse Bread started, I learned like I have to mute everything on Instagram. So I don't use it as a social account. Like I can't, I think I follow people and then mute them. So I I have not looked at either of your profiles probably since 2019. And that was just like something that pruning it out of my life was a really good thing for me. And 
good for my relationships and good for my time management. So yeah. And then a more recent example too, I was, when I'd wake up in the middle of the night, I would like get a drink of water or whatever, and then just get on my phone and start scrolling. And I'd end up staying awake for a while. And that was like the last thing Michael and I would do before bed at night. We'd like be both laying there on our phones. And I just said like, this has got to change. I don't like that. This is like how I'm spending this time. So I got an old fashioned alarm clock instead of my phone. They still make those? Alarm. That's I know, what we were talking about the I other know. day. I know. So now my phone stays, it like charges in my bathroom at night. And so again, just like they're not huge changes, they're subtle changes, but that's helped me sleep better, which means it's easier for me to wake up in the morning and read my Bible. And then be more joyful with your kids and more gracious to your husband. Like it really does, those little habits in our life can make a ripple effect. And I think a lot of us, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, I think it can go extremes. Like people can be so disciplined that they like miss out sometimes on like just enjoying little moments that come in life. But I also think a lot of times people can be like, well, I'm just like, I'm a more laid back, easygoing person. Like I don't like a lot of those like habits or disciplines in my life. I don't function well out of that. I think we were created in some sense to crave a little bit of order and discipline in our day. So even the people that think that they would like, they don't care if they make their bed or they don't care if they have like a habit to read at night instead of scrolling or something. I think if they tried those things, you can see how that does bring about fruit in your life, even if you don't realize it. And so I love the ways that you've been real and honest. And honestly, I think about you often with social media and saying like, yeah, I mean, it's really fun when I get to hang out with you and like catch you up on my life. There's been sometimes where I'm like, wait, you didn't know we went to da da da. I'm like, oh yeah, you don't have Instagram. Guess what? I get to tell you about my trips instead of you already knowing everything from seeing it on social media. That's why I love your comparison about the allergies. You've told me that. Yeah, a long time ago, we talked about that. And I think it's so good because I also think it just proves the point of like, you are able to say like, yeah, not everyone needs to cut out peanuts from their diet. Like that would be dumb. Like not all of us need to do that. But those who need to do that, it like breeds so much life in them that that is obviously worth it. And you want to share with other people your experiences, like your brother-in-law is like, yes, if you're allergic to peanuts, cut it out. Like he's passionate about that. And I think it shows in you, though, a lot of wisdom and discernment of where the Holy Spirit is convicting you and what is helpful. Because even in that, like, yeah, social media is not bad. We've had someone on our podcast to talk about that. And she too, like, cut it out. And yeah, you guys have found like that gives me so much life. We're not at all saying that it's bad, but also like you are convicted of like, this is not a good way to spend my time. This isn't making me grow closer to Jesus. And you only know that because you're spending time with Jesus in the first place. And I think that's just what's so cool about it is like this self-control has come out of, again, your time spending with Jesus and you're in tune with what's good for you. Yeah. And I think earlier when we were talking about self-control and the effect that it has on the rest of like how the fruit of the spirit can show up in your life. I mean, just even thinking through Instagram, not having that has definitely affected the ways that those can like the love that I have for friends rather than like feeling jealous or anxious or judgmental, any of those things, the joy from not comparing everything all the time and feeling like I'm missing out of things that I see. Peace. I just can see a ripple effect of like, I think social media can be so toxic for some people. And I was one of those people and it was really like smothering a lot of my friendships because there was it was just constant comparison and so getting rid of that has not only been healthier for my friendships but it's it really has like enabled I do see the fruit of the spirit more clearly and like more present in my life 
Well, that's so good, though. You obviously have the wisdom to understand like, oh, I've noticed when these things have not gone well. So walk us through some of those things. Like what are some red flags that you have noticed? Like maybe take those two examples that you have used about your phone and like making your bed in the morning or like social media, whatever. But like what were those red flags you noticed in yourself that you're like, oh, I am lacking in self-control in these areas? Wait, can I just say one caveat and not that this is a social media conversation. But as you're talking, I'm like, you're being actually more generous about social media than I think. I think most people, if not every person is addicted to social media. And if you say you're not, you either have a so crazy rigid structure with the way you handle it, that you're barely even on it, or you're lying to yourself. And second of all, I think how you were saying, like, not everyone needs that. I like definitely think most people need to pull back and like reevaluate that constantly. Because I thought I was healthy with it. And then every year I take like a break from social media and I like hate that I have to for a job get back on it because I truly I'm getting more on the end of like think the bad so far outweighs the good. Anyways, little caveat to like really press into that. If you're like, I don't have a problem with social media. It's like, "Eh," I think we all pretty much do at this point. Yeah, I don't think I realized how much it affected me till it wasn't in my life anymore. And then it was just so radically different. In yeah. so many ways. Okay, sorry not to go off on that tangent, but no. I did. <laughs> okay, back to your red flags. Yeah, ask me again, Christian. Well, yeah, so you obviously, I think it's good because it's good for people to hear, for all of us to hear, like, what are the areas that I need to practice self-control? Well, I think some of that is just us being aware of, like, what are we noticing about our life that are red flags of, like, oh, I need to grow in my self-control in this area. So walk us through some of those. Like, you could use the example of, like your phone in the bathroom or making your bed or social media, but like what were some of those red flags? What were some of those maybe negative interactions or thoughts that you had to kind of take recon of to say, oh shoot, I need to grow in self-control in this area? I think really it just got my attention how much time I was spending on my phone. I really was blind to the negative effects of social media, like I said, until I got off of it. And then it was a very stark difference. So much so that I went from like, I'm going to take a month off and just take it off my phone to like, I completely deleted my accounts. And yeah, I don't have personal accounts anymore. And so I think I just found myself doing like Michael the other day, I was telling him how fun it is to like read before bed instead of scroll through my phone and how like I sleep better at night because I wake up in the middle of the night and don't get on my phone. And he's like, what were you even doing on your phone at night? And honestly, there were two things. (laughs) I would Google random questions. And the example I gave Michael is like, what part of a turkey do they make into turkey sausage? Like, I don't know. And that would just occur to me. so funny. And I would Google it. And he's like, that's such a weird, like, why would that be something you would want to Google? Do you think it's because your mind would race all day like being a mom and then you would like sit down at night and just be like, (laughs) wait, I have thoughts. (laughs) I have questions. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like random stuff. Then the other thing that I would do, which also drove Michael crazy, I, (laughs) I have this habit of buying like doomsday supplies oh yeah this doesn't (laughs) surprise me i've talked about it with christian before because she got one of the things i got but like what are some examples like extra fire 
I used mine. That pick that breaks windows yes, and cars that, that okay, you made yeah. me buy. I used it because one time my mom and I came upon some people in like I was visiting Kansas what? City. We came on, upon these people that fell in a ditch in their car. And it you was have icy. literally never told me this. It's, oh, yeah. It's a crazy it was like story. last winter. Yeah. And I literally you, like, they were on the side. tossed it to your mom across yeah, the road. I tossed it to my mom across this. from like this highway. They live like on kind of a country highway. And my mom shuffled over there in the ice. I stayed in my car. It was an elderly woman and their car had, was on the side in a ditch. <gasps> And so I had this thing that broke a window and <laughs> yeah, we used yeah. it to break the window and oh, they crawled out the top. Okay. Yeah, it's I've a never... tool that like you can use one side of it to cut through seatbelts yeah, and the other side to it. smash like a car window. Like if you window. drive off a bridge and yes, you're like sinking, exactly. that's what it's for. Oh, yeah. So I have one terrible. of those in my car and I ordered one for Michael and then I ordered like the AAA car medical kits and then I so have like, like... Yeah, just like your typical first aid kit does not cut it for you no, anymore. No, like I... Do you know what a life straw is? Yeah. Yeah. So like if you need to drink water from a running stream or something, mm-hmm. which never happens to me ever. Yeah. When would that ever even be? And yet have we have choker. like three of them. Oh, yeah. I have two. I have one in my car and one in my house. I mean, Same. it's like an obsession. Yeah. Okay. And so Michael was like, you, you've got to stop getting on and just ordering. And I would kind of forget about it and wake up in the morning and he'd be like, did you buy three fire extinguishers? And I was like, oh, yeah, I did. Actually, yeah. we need one in the garage and one in the laundry room. <laughs> so, yeah, I've stopped doing that as much. But well, that brings up a good point. So we've talked a lot about social media. We've talked about like what's specific to Morgan. But I think just to kind of like start jogging your thoughts a little bit, this could be in finances, like talking about online shopping. For me, one of the hardest things about Instagram is then it, it triggers my impulse. I am a huge or I can be an impulse shopper. And so it's like triggers that because it, they make it so easy to literally swipe up. Now on Instagram the other day, I did swipe up to buy something and it's like, you don't even go to the website anymore. It's like all within the app. It's so bizarre. And so it's like, that could be something for you. If you're online shopping, if for friends of mine who struggle with like anxiety and health stuff, I know a lot of people that could be a where area that they need to work on self-control, like constantly Googling, constantly letting their brain go into all these crazy places with health stuff with them and their family. It could be in like what you watch and consume. So music and TV, it can be like, well, I know this show is like really not producing any good fruit in my life, but I like love it so much. And honestly, I keep finding myself slip back into watching it again. Or it could be in foods that you're eating. It could be in the lack of exercise or treating your body well. Like for me and Christian, you can say for you too, like right now for me, I have been over the last few years actually like really trying to grow in the discipline of whittling my life down and like creating this open space. And I think that takes self-discipline. Like I think used to, I would say yes to everything because these things aren't bad and these things are fun. And Christian asked me some the other day if I was going to something and I'm like, I said no, not because I didn't want to go to something, not because I didn't think it was a good thing, but because I wanted to create space in that day of the week for my family. And it's like, so self-discipline and self-control can look really different for everyone. And I think we all know that, but sometimes it's good to think through like, okay, what would that be for me? Yeah, I think there's so many easy things to pinpoint. But like when I was personally just thinking through it all, I was like, for sure, I think being a parent like exemplifies this or just any relationship. But honestly, being in control of my temper or my mood or my attitude, like we talked about this on other episodes, but just like how I let others affect my mood or affect my temper, but then also how I choose to respond. Like, am I in control of my words? I think for Christian communities, specifically like women Christian communities, it's really a big deal to have control of your tongue and gossiping and talking about others in a good way. I think that was a huge one. And then obviously, I mean, you already talked about, but buying just crap I don't need. And that's one thing, like when I tell myself, my husband and I just kind of check in like on the whole social media thing, we'll kind of chat like 
you know, yeah, because we like will at times like just be like on our phones the whole night before we like go to bed. I'm like, what am I doing? So like the whole next week, we're like, let's, you know, not do that. I don't know. We take many breaks and stuff. But one of the things I'm like, I literally spend way less money when I'm not on social media because I just don't have that way. And I'm like, why do I not practice this self-control more often? But it was just so good. I mean, we were reading this resource again that we've mentioned multiple times, but they had just so many things about, yeah, your appetite, your attitude, your time, your tongue, your finances, your sexual immorality, your jealousy. I mean, there are so many things that we could gain control over as we are abiding with and spending time with Jesus. I love, I want to go back with what you said, Morgan, because I think it's a really important part of self-control too, is part of the action in self-control is also bringing others into that. You allowed your husband to speak into saying like, hey, I mean, (laughs) you're like buying too much stuff. We don't need these three life straws for rivers that we're never by. (laughs) But I think that's really good because I want to challenge myself and other people like who are those people that you often ask of because I think one thing is like really cool about self-control is like I have a community of people that I could come to and say hey I need to like admit this to you I need to commit this like sin to you because I'm really struggling in this area and then can you hold me accountable in these ways or can you check in on me this next time or I'm going to come back to you and like if I forget to tell you can you check in on me and I think that's a really cool part that I see in your life actively like you have asked me that and you talk about that often, which I think is a really important part of self-control. And we can't miss that because we know we're by night broken people. We're not going to do that well. Yeah. Two things I'm thinking of, whether it's social media or just in a lot of these fruits of the spirit I'm recognizing are so countercultural, which like makes sense. A lot of what the Bible teaches is really countercultural. But I think in self-control specifically, it's kind of like we're just so used to acting quick and it's almost like looked down upon to be either slow to speak or slow to act on something or to really like mull over a decision. And I think that's something that comes so easily when you're in the habit of self-control. And so like, again, with a lot of these things, they can be hard habits to kind of start doing, but it's like once you're practicing a certain thing, it just becomes second nature. So going back all the way, like Jesus didn't think that having prayers for every little act in his day felt overwhelming. We talk about that as a group of Bible study girls. I'm like, oh my gosh, can you imagine? Like every time we're changing a diaper, there could be like a specific prayer for that. And it's like, well, that just became second nature. And so to me, I think of when we're putting on disciplines in our life, like getting to the point you have to kind of go through the gritty part of like, this feels like a stretch. This doesn't feel good because you're changing habits and altering behaviors. But then it becomes second nature and how important that is and how that looks really different in our culture. Christian saying the part about like speaking into Justin and I recently talked through like, is there any area of our life as a family, as a marriage, like in general, personally, that we like don't have someone looking in at or like we've just unintentionally for God or just not thought of letting someone have access to. And so like speaking into it. And so that looks different for different like mentors or people in our life. But I, at this point, like hopefully we have like every area, I'm sure there's so many blind spots that we would say like somebody has access to this area of our marriage, of our life. And at first that can feel really weird. Like sometimes when we're talking about letting someone speak into something or have access to something, it can feel really awkward or weird. But then the second that we do, it just becomes, it's almost like this freeing feeling of like, when there's boundaries and disciplines and control, there is more freedom found in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've all seen, the three of us especially, have talked about like certain situations where we've seen people that look like they are doing the right thing and have things together. And then these like huge secret 
sin struggles come out and it can just wreck lives and marriages. And and I don't think any of us are above that or far from it. I think that we're all vulnerable. And so actually one of the things I've talked about with both of you, I mean, I think I've given both of you like permission before and said like, if you ever see anything concerning like in my marriage or my parenting or my spending or like ask me about it. But I also have a mentor who goes to this church, who goes to the crossing, who's older than us. And she's amazing. She's like incredible. And I've said like, you have a a license to ask me about anything. And she does. She's like, doesn't sugarcoat it. And like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, she even called me out for something and said like, I'm just concerned when I look at how you're spending your time. It seems like you're like very overbooked and overcommitted. And I'm just wondering where that's coming from. And she did it in such a loving, but like straightforward way. And I said like, yeah, that's a good question. I need to think about that. And like, I'll call you and we can talk about it. And so, yeah, having someone where you just give them permission and say, like Christian said, I know I'm going to have blind spots. Like I'm not going to have self-control in every area. And I want someone to bring things to my attention when they see it so that I can then like pray about it and respond. That's so good. Yeah, she's amazing. It makes me think I love this imagery. So every summer and sometimes other parts of the year or where Justin and I got married in Colorado, we go to the same area. And it's so funny because you're up in like you're up pretty high on the mountains, like where we stay. And we go down to other surrounding towns a lot. And every time we've been somewhere else and we're driving kind of back up the mountain, it's this like really steep drive. I'm looking and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this mountain is huge. Like this is the biggest mountain I've ever seen. Like, wow, from this perspective, it's so ginormous. And then you're up there on the mountain and you're just looking around and it just looks like a sidewalk. It's like, it's so hard to see the full picture of something when you're sitting right there in it. You have to step back and get that full image. And I always think about that when I'm in Colorado, something about the mountains also like making me reflect a lot on God and who he is. And there's so many parallels with, I don't know, nature in God's character. But I think that's a really good way to look at it with our disciplines in our life. It's like, yeah, when you're just doing day to day, you don't see a lot of those things that people from an outside perspective can see and speak into when they're coming from a good place, you know? Okay, so we've talked a ton about how self-disciplines in our life are so important. And we hear, even in a worldly view, we hear a lot about habits and how effective habits are. And, you know, they've done studies, MRI scans on the human brain and how habits are formed and how they can really change lives. And so we know all of that. And I think that that's so important to have in our life. If we don't have those disciplines, we're going to fall short. But coming back to that thing we talked about at the very beginning, we've talked about with every episode ultimately, we can put habits in our life all day, every day, and still fall short if we don't have God and that closeness with Him kind of giving us the power to have self-control. Because we've all been there where you wake up and you're like, okay, this habit in my life, maybe it's the way you're speaking, maybe it's a small thing, I don't know, is affecting my life and I need to quit it. And I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to do that. And then you start doing that in the first few days you're going strong, but then you ultimately fail. And I think we can expect for our hearts to have these 180s just by putting a list of things in our life. We have to depend and rely on Christ and grow in these fruit to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. I almost think it's like a chicken and the egg thing. Like the more self-control that you have in your life, but you find like, making time to just sit and pray and sit and read your Bible and sit and spend time with Jesus. And then that like walking with him, because it's a fruit of the spirit, that self-control becomes more prevalent in your life. 
allowing you to spend more time with Jesus and like carve out that time for your day. And it's just kind of like a cyclical thing. It's the same with marriage. You know, I don't know if you guys, well, I do know because we're friends and we've all talked about it, but you get in these cycles with your spouse and sometimes it takes like one person to just break it. And it's funny because early in my marriage, I couldn't put words to that. But now eight years in, we can seriously be like, hey, we've been in this dance for three days. Maybe we've made up here, but then like two hours later, we're bickering about this. It's all like rooting from the same thing. And one of us has to be the one to step out and like stop the cycle. And so it is that like when you're feeding in your marriage, a lot of love and choosing kindness, even though it's hard, that other person, if they're like a decent human, I guess, is going to play into that too. And that's going to make them in a better place to show that back. So sometimes it's hard to like stop the cycle in anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. I just kind of want to recap because even as we just go through all of these fruit of the spirit, we hope that you feel really encouraged and excited about spending more and more time with Jesus, more time in his word. But I thought one thing really good, if you're an achiever or a perfectionist, someone who's like, oh my gosh, this seems like a lot. I don't know if I can do all this and like what happens? I'm not going to do this perfectly. I just think it's so good to remember that it doesn't mean that in this earthly life that we are going to achieve perfection or we're not going to fall or fail. But ultimately, like we get to remember like the gospel and we get to remember that the blood of Christ covers us and offers repentance and offers restoration and redemption for what we have done wrong. And so I just want you to hear that because this may seem like a really big like, oh, my gosh, I have to do all these things. I have to work on all these things. And ultimately, I think we are all just called to spend more time with Jesus, spend more time in his word and seek things that glorify him, spend time with people that encourage you in that way. And I hope that that is really exciting to just hear and pursue. Do we have time for me to share one more thing? Of this course, is like a great. This was a good segue from what you just said, but it's from this book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and it's about this British cycling team. Have you guys heard this before? Yeah. Okay, it's so good. So this is a quote from the book: "The performance of the British riders had been so underwhelming that one of the top bike manufacturers in Europe refused to sell bikes to the team because they were afraid that it would hurt sales if other professionals saw the Brits using their gear. So they were that is like the opposite mm-hmm. of a sponsor." Right. It's like, please don't, don't. use our yeah. stuff. In 2003, they hired David Brailsford as the new performance director of the British cycling team. Brailsford used a strategy that he referred to as the aggregation of marginal gains, which was the philosophy of searching for a tiny margin of improvement in everything you do. Brailsford said the whole principle came from the idea that if you broke down everything that you could think of that goes into riding a bike and then improve it by 1%, you will get a significant increase when you put them all together. So they did all these random things like in very small ways. They redesigned the bike seats. They rubbed alcohol on the tires of the bikes for a smoother spin. They tested massage gels for muscle recovery. They had each player get a unique mattress and pillow for optimal sleep. They switched the outdoor racing suits to indoor ones because they found they were more aerodynamic. They even had surgeons come and teach proper hand washing techniques so that the bikers would avoid like minor colds. And so no one really thought that this was going to do anything. They probably were rolling their eyes and like laughing and making fun of the coach. I know know. how to wash my hands and my pillow is fine. I'm sure that they were annoyed. And so that happened in 2003. He started five years later. It says during the 10 year span from 2007 to 2017, British cyclists won 178 world championships and 66 Olympic or Paralympic gold medals and captured five Tour de France victories in what is widely regarded as the most successful run in cycling history. 
Amazing. It's amazing. So then in the book, James writes, if you can get 1% better each day for one year, you'll end up 37 times better by the time you're done. Conversely, if you get 1% worse each day for one year, you'll decline nearly down to zero. What starts as a small win or a minor setback accumulates into something much more. In the beginning, there's basically no difference between making a choice that is a 1% better or 1% worse. In other words, it won't impact very much today. But as time goes on, these small improvements or declines compound, and suddenly you find a very big gap between people who make slightly better decisions on a daily basis and those who don't. This is why small choices don't make much of a difference at the time, but add up over the long term. I hope that's encouraging as a like, you know, those small choices you're making, it makes me think of, I go back to this all the time, the elementary classroom sign that said characters who you are when no one's watching. It's like it just always kind of flashes in my head sometimes when I'm faced with like even tiny little decisions of like moral things in my day. It's like those decisions add up to something. And then it's really terrifying to think that if we're declining, like that can decline so quickly. It's like, at least try to maintain. If you don't gain <laughs> that 1% per day, at least try to maintain. Don't lose. Yeah, yeah, don't lose. But I hope that's encouraging because it's encouraging to me. Yeah. Yeah, it was so good. Thank you, Morgan, yeah, for coming on. We hope me. that you guys have just like loved this series and we've loved time with you today and hope that you're encouraged and spending time with Jesus. And we can't wait to hear more. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.